Hotel history is created for adult audiences. Content may not be suitable for all listeners. Discretion is advised. You're listening to Hotel History. We take you with us through the sordid history and scandals of some of the world's most famous and infamous hotels. I'm Dieta. And I'm Yael. Let's get started. Today we are going to talk about some very strange and surprising hotels that we have found through the beauty of the internets. And we'd like to thank a specific website where we found these strange <laughs> hotels um, <laughs> called MessyNessieChic.com. I found this website. I want to say, I don't know why this year sticks out to me in 2013. Mm, wow. I found it a while ago and I always like was checking in on it, whatever. And then recently, or I, I showed you the website, but they have a lot of interesting stuff yeah. and it's based in Paris. I yes, believe. I'm obsessed with this website ever since you sent it to me. I love it. If you like traveling and oddities, then you're going to find something on here. Yeah, they have, um, I think they're still pretty active, right? Like mm-hmm. the, um, Yeah, they have a newsletter that you can sign up for, and it, I think it comes out at least once a week. Yeah, it's the... Th- it their newsletter or in the newsletter is 13 things i found on the internet yeah 13 like random number um and they really i don't know where they find it where they ever i'm like how did you keep up with so many weird things you found on the internet for the past 10 years (laughs) well that's the internet (laughs) you can be you can trust the internet to have just a never-ending supply of weird things it's um, I think they're exposed to more European things because mm-hmm. they're based in Paris. So to me, it's like, oh, that's interesting. And maybe someone in Europe is like, we know about this oh, already. Maybe so. Yeah. yeah. But there's always something on there that I end up clicking on that I'm like, yeah, I got to know what that is. Yeah. I, it's, um, I feel like there's a place on the internet for websites like this. And it's, I can't, I, I don't know what the right word is or name. It's like where esoteric things mm-hmm. go yeah. <laughs> i don't want to say go to die but like it's like the w- it's a it's like a library of it's esoteric a library things. yeah yeah it's not for everyone if i showed this to some people they'd be like i don't get it i don't care yeah why is this interesting it's <laughs> the type of library that i would want to be a physical location that i could just go live in but it has to be on the internet yeah i want to um I want to see what their office is like. (laughs) So we found these very strange and surprising hotels on this website, and we obviously had to cover them. Yes, and hopefully there will be more episodes like this because there's a ton. But here's five that we decided to start with because they were really cool. So first up is a hotel called... The Belvedere du Rayon Vert. I'm not even going to try to do that in a French accent. We'll call it the Belvedere. (laughs) Yeah, it's the Belvedere. But it is uh, in the south of France in a town called Cerbère. It looks like Care Bear, but it's Cerbère. Cerbère. (laughs) Cerbère. You you can do the French accent. <laughs> it's way too over the top. Like I but can't rein it sound. back in. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh near right actually right on the border with Spain, and the Belvedere 
basically looks like a ship that's on a harbor, like just heading off into the sea. It's such a unique design, and it's actually built over the railway tracks there. It's kind of meant as a place to stay when you were using the railway back in the day. Like you would stop here in this town, and it was right by the railway, so a perfect place to stay. But they decided to go with this ship design that towers over everything. It's kind of um, a little scary. Yeah. Look it up. I, I, we definitely need to put links and pictures. We're, we're going to do that. But there is this, um, I don't know why I'm scared of it. It's is imposing. That a weird, like, it's cool. It's really cool. It, oh, you know what vibe it has? Um, what's that? What's it? Steampunk. It has a steampunk yeah. vibe. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also, yeah, it is on the side of a road right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was there before, but like, it's different when you look at it with modern eyes. Um, and it's still there, but it's not a hotel anymore, is it? It is. It's still a hotel? It's still operating, yeah. So it was built between 1928 and 1932 by architect Leon Baile? Question mark? As everyone knows, we can't pronounce shit on the show. <laughs> this is an ongoing We're so American. gag. So we also just don't know any other language. Bear with us. Okay, so yes, it is still a hotel. It officially closed in 1983 and stopped functioning for a while. And it was named a historic monument in 87. But now they do rent out 10 of the rooms. But you have to stay for a minimum of a week. So it's like more lo- a little bit more short term. So what are they doing with the rest of the rooms? They're probably not fit <laughs> to be used. I don't know. But on their, they have a website now, and oh. it looks beautiful. Like it looks like they've been re- redoing I saw that, it. Yeah. So I'm wondering now if maybe they do have everything back up where you can, where they have more. At the time that Messi Nessie wrote their article, they were only renting out ten rooms. But by now, it might be more, because I think she did that a couple years before the pandemic. Oh. I mean, I'm glad it's still open after the pandemic. Me too. Yeah. That would be a cool place. You know what? Oh, it reminds me of the Queen Mary a little. Oh, yeah. I mean, not really, because, like, it's much nicer on the inside, but a big ship yeah. is a hotel. Yeah. Um, scary exactly. looking. I bet you they have ghosts. Oh, yeah. You know they ghosts. do. Yeah. And died in there, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so travelers would stay here as they took the train from northern Europe to Spain. And a little bit of interesting history for this area. In 1864, Spain and France agreed to connect their railways through the mountain pass that connects Cerber with the Spanish town of Portbo. And in 1939, as you know, the Spanish Civil War was raging. World War II was cooking up. And uh, half a million people actually fled Spain for this area once the Republican army was defeated by the fascist army in Spain. So lots of people lived in internment camps that were set up by the French authorities. Some ended up having to go back to Spain because the conditions were just abominable and a lot of people died. And then some went to the US, 
and the ones who stayed in Europe, unfortunately, <laughs> got to continue their fight with fascism uh, <laughs> because then World War II started. <laughs> I watched a show recently about uh, World War II. I forgot what it's called. It's on Netflix, and they had to get people, or they were trying to help people escape, I believe from Spain to France, mm-hmm. and they had to climb like these mountains or whatever. Um, and I wonder if this had anything to. This sounds really familiar. Yeah, that I, might that have been. Be. Yeah. Based on this, it's totally possible. Yeah, so if you go there, there is a historical marker at the railway station in Cerber, and then there's also two markers um, at the border of the mountain pass th- where people were coming through. I think this had to be. Yeah, this what it's based. It sounds really familiar. Yeah. So a fun thing that they had was a tennis court on the roof, which the way that we play tennis, we would have immediately lost all of our balls I down onto say, the railway track. If you have a tennis ball, a tennis court on the roof, it's going to be really hard to get your balls back. <laughs> <laughs> That's for people who actually knew how to play tennis. Even if you know. I mean, I'm assuming there's no gate because no one cared about safety yeah. back in the day. And you're on the train. You're like, why have all these tennis balls are outside? It's kind of <laughs> weird. So that was fun. Um, they also had a cinema inside the hotel, which they still have. And it actually is used every single year in October. A local film festival holds like a three-day-long festival there where they show all of these different films and give out prizes that sounds really fun but it's only french film probably no it's actually global submissions really yeah oh we should go i'm totally down Yeah, yeah. yeah i don't know when well october you should submit your um short film they would not like it it is the <laughs> most american short film um if anyone's listening i do have a short film it was just for fun it's not good well i think it was i like it because it like i find my jokes funny (laughs) but i know a lot of people don't like it which is fine because art for art's sake not trying to sure yeah every artist (laughs) is like "Uh uh-huh for art's sake messy nessie calls it a time capsule railway hotel So that is the Belvedere. It really is a time capsule from the 1930s. So our next hotel is called the SS Sudan. It stands for the Steamship Sudan. Can you explain? (laughs) 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 Yes, so this is a boat it's a boat like the other hotel but this boat is actually on water yeah this (laughs) (laughs) yeah the other one was built to look like a boat this one is a bona fide boat this is uh like messy nessie calls it the nile's last steamship so back in the 1800s and early 1900s people were sailing up and down the nile as part of Egypt's kind of tourism. And they used to do it on this old school Egyptian boat, like classical Egyptian boat, but it could take up to three months to sail up the Nile. That's insane. In one of those, yeah. 
three months. So when steamers came along, they were able to make the trip in like 20 days. And for they were much bigger. They had a lot better accommodations. So in 1911, Thomas Cook commissioned a fleet of these new, luxurious, fast steamboats that could make the journey. And one of these was the SS Sudan. And it was said of Cook's commercial escort travel services, quote, by the turn of the century, there were two empires on the Nile. Britain's military occupation and Cook's Egyptian travel. <laughs> so the SS Sudan at the time could hold 80 guests and had private bathrooms with hot and cold running water. That's really impressive. Which is really impressive for the early 1900s. I mean, it was a big deal for solid on land hotels to have both hot and cold running water in their bathrooms at this time. So for a boat to have it, just amazing. The golden age of the Nile, or Nile cruising, lasted from 1922 to 1935. And for me, that's like the epitome of yeah. British Agatha Christie, yes. <laughs> as you mentioned, like in their white little linen outfits. Mm -hmm. Egyptian archaeology. Yeah. Um, With a magnifying glass. I don't know why. Yes. Who's well, searching and for things. Uh, Howard... <laughs> Carter, I believe, uh, was the archaeologist that found King Tut's tomb. And so one of the reasons so many, especially British people, were coming to Egypt at this time was because he kind of like made it exciting again to go to Egypt because there were all there was all of this booming archaeology. Well, quote unquote archaeology more like treasure hunting yeah <laughs> that's what i was gonna say it was like oh a free-for-all we can just yeah. go and steal out like people i remember reading about this in the 1920s people would come to egypt and literally go into a, the tombs and like was like this is a cute little bro so <laughs> i'm gonna take it and i'm just like how uh, life was wild yeah Imagine doing that today. <laughs> oh my like, God. I know you've just been here for a few thousand years, but like even in 1920s, that's like bold. You're just going in there, taking treasures from a thousand years ago <laughs> and no one's stopping you. During World War II and post-war, instability in the Middle East crippled Egypt's tourism industry, uh, which is like obvious. It probably crippled everyone's <laughs> tourism industry. But the SS Sudan was docked for war during World War II and then languished for the following 50 years after. Yeah, it was basically just abandoned somewhere. It was probably just sitting on the Nile. Yeah. Just chilling. Just <laughs> watching the years go by. In uh, 1999, a German tour boat company failed to relaunch it. So they tried. They yeah. saw the beauty and it didn't work. But then in 2004, she made a cameo in the second movie version of Agatha Christie's Death on the Nile. And I'm guessing that like got people's attention mm -hmm. and they were like, ooh, Agatha Christie. Um, then in 2006, a French company completely restored her, keeping the layout but adding modern engineering and services. She's now the last steamboat on the Nile. So she was there, she died, came back to life, <laughs> and now she's the only one. <laughs> Recently, she again served as the vessel Karnak in 2022's newest adaptation of Death on the Nile, which I want to see. Mm -hmm. I never saw the old one, and I didn't see the new one, but now I'm going to see it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so twice now she's gotten to act the part 
act, but <laughs> serve the part of the ship Karnak, the steamer. So, but this is really interesting, the point where, okay, they tried to relaunch her in 1999. It didn't work. I guess the German uh, tour group were, they didn't think about, like, marketing. 2004 comes, someone puts her in a movie, and that's the boom. That was, yeah. like, the, you know. I guess that was the catalyst. I want to say that works really well. Like, imagine if there's a cafe in New York called Central Park. Mm. That place would never be out of business. It's true. This is like the power of movies mm-hmm. and TV. You, that's I- impressive. You brought back a fifty-year-old steamboat. Yeah. And so, speaking of Agatha Christie, she actually stayed on this steamboat. She sailed on this steamboat. It helped inspire her novel for Death on the Nile. Oh. <gasps> You think she was writing it on the steamboat? Oh, that would be cool. She probably was. She At yeah. least notes, because I know yeah. she kept notebooks of all of her ideas with her. So she was probably jotting stuff down at the yeah. very least. Oh, my God. Imagine being on the steamboat and like bumping into Agatha Christie. Oh, my God. That would be so cool. That's a movie. Somebody make that movie. Yeah. Well, this is the second time we mentioned Agatha Christie, right? Because the first time was in the Savoy. Oh, where yeah. Where she had her launch for her book. For her uh, play. For the, her play. The Mousetrap. The mas- Mousetrap. They should have done it for the ni- uh, this one, Death on the, N- the Nile, and have a hotel, a full Nile River with a boat. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can't remember what year the very first Nile movie came out. I think it was in the 70s. It was. It was It was old. Because yeah. So she's already passed away, I think, by the time oh. they made a movie of it. So the ship currently offers six suites and 18 cabins, and they're all named after famous people who traveled the Nile in the past on the steamer or are just important to Egyptian history. So, of course, there's one named after Agatha Christie. There is one named after Lady Duff Gordon, who wrote this famous book called Letters from Egypt about her time when she lived in Cairo. And uh, Howard Carter gets a room. He's the one who discovered Tutankhamun's tomb. And there's also one named after King Farouk, who was one of Egypt's kings. Mm. What about Cleopatra? Mm. I guess. I mean, she had a very famous barge that sailed up and down the Nile. What about Cleopatra? Oh, she did? Yeah. Yeah, she and Mark Antony would sail up and down the Nile partying their asses off. So why didn't they name a room after her? Well, maybe they did. I I didn't name everybody. It's too cliche. Maybe they're like, no. Yeah. She she had enough, you know, attention. (laughs) Um... (laughs) The decor is all in Belle Epoque. Am I saying mm-hmm. this Yeah, right? the Belle Epoque. The Belle Epoque? What is that? That's early 1900s. Oh, late I didn't know it had late a name. Late 1800s, yeah. Oh, I like that. Per the Steamboat's website, if you decide to take this steamship on the Nile, your cruise will set sail from Aswan and end at Luxor, exploring all major sites of ancient Egypt. During these six days, you will fall under the spell of the major sites lined along the river and the quiet and magnificent riverbanks. Karnak Temple, Valley of the Kings, Valley of the Queens and Nobles, uh, the Philae Temple. You will take in the most breathtaking panorama of ancient Egypt. The six-day cruising is also a privileged way 
That's, yeah, that's straight on privilege. White privilege. (laughs) (laughs) This six-day cruising is also a privileged way to admire the amazing scenery of the Egyptian countryside. But for security reasons, children under six cannot be accepted on board. Okay, I'm (laughs) a little suspicious to why children under six can't. I don't need kids just falling off the no, side. No, I I th- I think it's a great policy to have. Uh, more I places, think more places, more places yeah. need it. <laughs> but now I'm like, what goes down on this cruise ship? Um, it sounds beautiful. Yeah, and it looks beautiful. <gasps> Everyone has that fantasy of the Agatha Christie on the mm-hmm. steamboat, like in their white linen outfits, and, you know, drinking cocktails and smoking cigarettes and being like, who done it? At what? He was murdered in a room <laughs> with a locked door. <laughs> and that what is everyone ancient that we're doing right now? Um, because that's how British people sounded. <laughs> and that's how they sound in the 1920s. <laughs> And then it's always like, you know, the butler or like someone's like, yeah, that's right. I did it. (laughs) (laughs) You're all annoying as fuck. (laughs) Ooh, I'm excited about the next one. It looks so cool. Oh, I know this one. Yeah. This is the Giraffe Manor. Yes. This is in Africa, right? Yes. Okay. I saw a documentary about it. Or... It was mentioned in a documentary. I don't think it was about it, but um, yes, this is a five-star hotel located 20 kilometers outside of Kenya's capital of Nairobi. Do you like how I said 20 kilometers? Like that's a distance that means anything. To yeah, me. yeah. You're you're really <laughs> catching on to the like non-American. Um, I also like to mention before that when you said to at the Luxor in you know the Nile, I was thinking of Vegas. Oh no. <laughs> okay, but continue. <laughs> so, at this manor, a herd of Rothschild giraffes freely roam around the 12-acre property. And if you open your windows, they will stick their heads in for a visit. And you can, like, feed them and pet them. Oh, my God. That's so fun. And I they probably it. know. They're like, oh, new guests. Oh, yeah. They're, like... They they are down with the system. <laughs> I love giraffes. They're so they're so sweet. They're like a sweet animal. Yeah. You don't think of yes. giraffes like, ooh, they're coming after me. It's like, oh, look at those big giant animals that are eating trees. <laughs> yeah. The videos on their Instagram are so adorable. This mm-hmm. one, you sh- even if you never plan to go here, you should follow their Instagram just for like a boost of happiness on your feed. So it was built in the 1930s by David Duncan of the sir, British. David oh, sir. Duncan. Oh, Get I am right. so sorry. <laughs> he earned that title um, by Sir David Duncan of the British Macintosh Toffee family. Uh, like the candy? Yeah, like toffee. Oh, sorry. I got excited. <laughs> um, the residence has a giraffe breeding center that was set up in 1979 to boost a then endangered population. It has now expanded into a conservation and educational program for Kenyan school children, and all the profits of the hotel go towards the African Fund for Endangered Wildlife. That's really sweet. Yeah, that's all awesome. the profits. The original manor house was built in 1932 and has six rooms, an Art Deco bathroom, and antique furniture. 
The Garden Manor next door was built in 2011, but it mimics the style of the original manor and also has six rooms. In case giraffes aren't enough, next door is the Baby Orphan Elephant Sanctuary. <gasps> I'm dying. Please. Visitors to the orphanage can watch feeding and bathing time each morning and enjoy watching the calves playing with footballs and chasing each other. Oh, my God. I want to go here really badly. I want to so see the giraffes, and then I want to see the elephants. The baby elephants are so cute. So sweet. Oh, that sounds amazing. This is like, why Why don't they do this everywhere? <laughs> I would go someplace where I would watch the creatures from afar, like the monkeys or whatever. Yeah. What do we have that are, that's endangered? Owls? I was going to... I know birds. Owls are endangered? There's some kinds of owls that are. Not all. We're giving people a great idea. If you want to open a hotel and you'd call it the who. (laughs) Okay, this is getting cut. (laughs) Come on! (laughs) Why? (laughs) Why? It's genius. I just gave you a million dollars. What are you talking about? No, it would be great. An owl hotel... Yeah. Called the Who, uh, their their uh, theme song is the the Baby Who O'Reilly the song. Who oh, that. Who are you? No, the band Who. Yeah, that's a that's by, from by the, the Who. That is. It's by the Who. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I was thinking of their other one. Bubba, like teen teenage waste. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one that you want to encourage people to come look at your endangered animal. Yeah. Okay. Forget (laughs) it. Forget it. Forget what I said. All right. And finally, the manor is also neighbor to the former residence of Karen Bixen, the Danish author of Out of Africa. The house where she lived between 1917 and 1931 is now a museum set in the midst of a stunning garden. So all kinds of stuff here. Oh, yeah. Not to mention, that's just what's right there on the, like, on and next door to the hotel. Imagine if you venture out even a little bit Yeah, more. there must, I mean, people are, went there for a reason. So there's probably so much to do. Yeah. And, and it's so close to Nairobi, which is the capital of Kenya. So you know yeah. there's going to be a lot there. Okay, so we just left Kenya, so we are going to go a little further south, all the way to a mining town in Australia's outback in New South Wales. Oh, yeah, I saw um, pictures of this. Yeah, so located in Broken Hill, we're going to the Palace Hotel. The building was erected originally as a coffee palace in 1889, which, if you didn't know, a coffee palace is a place for fine dining and coffee. It tells itself. (laughs) Um, You think it smells like coffee still? Oh. You know, like old places that used to be something and then they still kind of smell like it? That's a good thing to smell like. That'd be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. The architect was Alfred Dunn from Melbourne. He had successfully won a competition to design the hotel. The build was unfortunately unprofitable as a coffee palace and ultimately became a hotel in 1892. The hotel offers 48 rooms to choose from, including a pub-style room, budget backpacker dormitories, and family rooms. Oh, they're all over the place. 
They want all kinds of travelers. All kinds. Yeah. Um, I did you see those pictures? Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> this this yeah, it's just a it's a kitschy palace. Yeah, yeah it's kitschy. It's that's, kitschy. That's yeah. It. yeah. So in the 1970s, Mario Chilato, perhaps. Chilato? Yeah, it's Italian. Ch- An Italian immigrant. <laughs> I'm going to say Chilato. That sounds good. Because it's Because it sounds like Gelato, <laughs> but it's with a C. I never know when the C's are pronounced like S and when they're Ch. Yeah. So I'm going to say Chilato. An Italian immigrant bought the Palace Hotel and made it into the iconic and kitschy destination it is today. So he started off by painting a copy of Botticelli's Venus on the ceiling. And then he offered a thousand pounds to anyone who could match his painting in the like blank area next to it. An indigenous artist from Port Augusta. Wait, I'm just like, can we go back to that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, What? (laughs) First of all, Eddie, you know, it's a kitschy hotel when they paint something that's famous. Yeah. And then now it, it's even better because he's like, you think you can do better? <laughs> Why Which don't makes you me try? think, like, did somebody tell him, like, hey, what are you doing? And he was like, hey, I think fine. S- I think this is what someone said. Wow, it really does look like that painting. Wait, it's not. It doesn't look exactly like the painting. Well, I'm just saying it's not exactly. Well, you could do better. Well, you prove it. <laughs> like, that's how the conversation was. <laughs> but that's really fun did someone end up painting yes so an indigenous artist from port augusta by the name of gordon way came into the hotel mario asked him to paint a wall in the front bar which he painted in eight hours and then over a period of years he painted all of the other murals in the hotel mostly in a landscape theme but mario's stipulation was that the scenes had to contain a water feature so that the hotel would feel like an oasis in the outback Okay. <laughs> uh, classy. Yeah. I guess there's some hand-stenciled wallpaper on some of the walls, and that is Mario's work. Oh. So he really put a lot into that, because hand-stenciling wallpaper does not sound easy. No, that sounds exhausting. Yeah. So I had actually never heard of this uh film that made the hotel kind of a, a cult icon oh, i love it i can't believe that i haven't this seems like something that i would have seen should we watch ago. it definitely yeah okay so <laughs> the hotel was made famous by the cult underground film priscilla queen of the desert a 1994 musical that tells the story of two drag queens and a transgender woman trying to get their act off the ground in the remote australian desert Several scenes were shot in the hotel, and the room where the characters stayed is named Priscilla after the main character. I love it. We need to watch this. I feel like all good movies, no matter what, have a trans or drag queen. Yeah. Like, so far, um, well, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and then... uh, Myra Bre- Breckenridge. Oh yeah, I still and haven't then, gotten to watch that. Oh one. my god, yeah. <laughs> that, that one's crazy. And then, um, what's that other one we just the, watched? The one with the long. Oh oh oh. Apple oh, apple apple. Oh, yeah. No, and then what's the the classic one? It's got the super long name that I always get wrong. Oh, it's, so it's Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. And then oh, and of course, 
the birdcage. I mean. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm saying. They're yeah. Cool. There's a there's the a 70s theme. through the 90s were spot on with the 80s. Yeah, and with classic. Yeah. So when the characters get to the hotel, Hugo Weaving's character famously declares, "Oh, Takarama, who the hell does all the painting around here?" And Terrence Stamp replies, "Someone with no arms or right foot, by the look of things." <laughs> Ooh. So, so if Mario wasn't already self-conscious about his yeah. painting, this is all making sense. <laughs> uh, wow. Every September, the hotel and city put on the Broken Heel Drag Festival to celebrate Priscilla, Queen of the Desert's birthday. I love that the name of the town is Broken Hill, and this is Broken Heel because oh, that's <laughs> so cute. Um, you got uh, look up pictures. It's it amazing. It looks so good. Oh my yeah. gosh. There, I think there's videos of it on YouTube as well. Oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah, there has to be. This is yeah. still going on, right? Yes, every year. Our final strange and surprising hotel is Mosna Castle. So this is a Baroque style castle located in old Bohemia otherwise known as Upper Silesia in Poland. The castle has 365 rooms and 99 spires. Its historical records only date back to the 17th century, but 20th century excavations revealed medieval burial crypts and remnants of a possible Templar stronghold. So that's the Knights Templar. This castle is like what you think think a castle would look like yeah it, it's, it's like a like huge it castle. was already a castle and then they were like let's make this more castle-y because the eastern wing which was built in 1900 is neo-gothic and then in 1912 they built the western wing which is neo-renaissance <laughs> and then they, they put an orangery on the side of course it has all these turrets yeah it's a little all over the place. It's a little all over the place. Yeah. It's an ADHD castle. <laughs> Couldn't decide what it wanted to be. Oh, wow. <laughs> but it's really beautiful. It's like, I want to say, they're definitely a horror movie <laughs> has happened or filmed here. Or like a gothic movie. Yeah, yeah, like something dark. I can't tell. In some of the photos... The roof looks bright purple, but I think those have been altered, color altered a little bit because in other perp in other pictures, it looks like maybe it's a little bit more like a reddish plum or kind of plum brown color. I see that. Yeah, I think that um, it's more plum brown. And then in some images, like they made it more purple. Yeah, they, they were like, saturate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So this is my favorite part. In addition to offering luxury hotel accommodations, you can also attend a 10-day session in their School of Wizardry. Okay, I was going to say it looks like Harry Potter. Yeah. Hogwarts yeah, it absolutely does. Whoever thought of this was brilliant, uh, excellent use of what you've got. Classes and activities that you can take during your time here include alchemy, herbal medicine, cryptography, and cryptanalysis, which is learning to encode and decode messages using ciphers, 
divination, which is the art of predicting the future and discovering the secrets of the past, studying spell books, the history of magic and magicians, learning the different types of wands, all oh kinds of God. stuff. Uh, participants get to live in the castle dormitories, adopt wizard robes, wooden wands, and receive diplomas upon completion of their semester. Can I go? I want to go or so Or are we going to be the only 30-something? Oh, no. Thing? I'm sure it's all. Yeah. <laughs> Not all, but I'm sure it's a lot. We might be the only ones there without kids. <laughs> I bet you kids aren't even allowed. <laughs> no six-year-olds and under. If you want to stay here without committing to 10 days of witchcraft and wizardry studies, you can stay in the Mosnazamic Hotel part of the castle, which offers lots of very huge rooms, including one that kind of, to me, looked like somewhere that Louis XIV would have stayed. It's called the Golden Apartment, and it's just gold everywhere, gold furniture, yeah, that sounds like he would stay there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some parts of the castle, though, are still very much lost in the Soviet era. The period of Soviet control caused significant damage to the castle's interiors in comparison to the minor damage that was caused by the actual war of World War II. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, for many years after the war, Mosna did not have a permanent owner. It became a private nursing home in the 1970s and what? then later a public health institution. <gasps> oh my God. It says a public health institution for neuroses, which sounds like a really politically yeah, like <laughs> correct way of saying insane asylum. Insane asylum, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a nice way to put it. But um, yeah, so uh, some of the rooms, though, very much have not been restored from the Soviet era. And it does look like this like weird, sad homage to God. (laughs) Yeah. Soviet stuff is so depressing. Yeah. And I mean, they didn't take care of anything in the Soviet Union. Why would they take care of a random castle? Like unless... You know, Stalin was visiting or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this actually sounds like a really interesting place to visit just because of how many different things you're going to see while you're there. Like, there's this wizard school going on. There's these beautiful, lavish apartments. But then there's also these run-down Soviet-era places there's a garden and uh and like an orange orchard there's these medieval crypts so all kinds of stuff that you can explore here yeah it sounds like you need a couple days to even see everything yeah i wonder if they use the old soviet rooms as a place for people to film because you know they're always doing like films Mm -hmm. about the soviet union that would make sense and they're like we'll keep a few so we can rent it out yeah (laughs) that i mean that place looks nice yeah it looks like a fun i don't know if i'd want to stay there i think i'd be a little creeped out i won't lie castles definitely want to stay there yeah castles yeah. creep me out and i wonder i want to wander around at I night wanna... and i want to scare myself oh okay i would want to wonder but i wonder if i want to sleep there <laughs> i don't think i'd go to sleep i think i'd just be like perusing around I, I would need to be staying with someone i wouldn't do it yeah, solo no. I just feel like there's crypts and then there's Soviet yeah. ghosts and there's like but then wizards. Like, <laughs> you got to like explore the dark 
creepy part of the castle and then you like came back to your golden apartment with like a roaring fire and all of that then i okay. feel like you'd be okay i'll stay i'll stay if i can stay in the golden apartment yeah. <laughs> that one doesn't seem creepy it's like tacky but not <laughs> creepy i can deal with that yeah so if you're choosing one of these five where are you staying Ooh, um Oh, it has to be the SS Sudan. Ditto. Yeah. Totally. Oh, if I can it. only choose one, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to cruise up and down the Nile. Yeah, the uh, the first one is creepy. <laughs> and there's only like three rooms. And then the one in uh, Australia I mean, it's not I I wouldn't want to stay there. And then the castle is nice, but com- if there's no competition. Yeah. I'm going to sail up the Nile if I can only choose one. And then I'm going to see the giraffes. Oh, the giraffes. Oh, oh, the Nile and giraffe. That's a hard it's one. It's so hard. But I have to say it would be the Nile. Yeah. Just I have a fantasy about yeah. the Agatha Christie world. <laughs> but then, you know, you're already in Africa. Might as well. Not, yeah. yeah, like yeah why, why do we have you, one? Yeah. Like you crossed the ocean to get there. Yeah. You, we get to go to. It, okay. <laughs> the Nile. <laughs> and uh the giraffes and then the castle yeah yeah that's the otter yeah i think top but three we'll take any so sure. if you're listening and yeah want to we'd, sponsor we'd love trip, to come see any yeah. of them especially like in september i'll i'd go to that festival in australia that drag festival looks awesome oh it's in september yeah it's in september. but isn't that like australia's winter it's um yes it's it's gonna be heading into their spring their winter will be ending i think mm-hmm. i'll stick to the nile <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to hotel history you can follow us on most social media platforms patreon and substack by searching for hotel history or hotel history podcast If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so we can reach more listeners. 